Hello everyone and welcome back to America's Lost History. I'm your host Ron Wismer. We're in episode 1.13, North Carolina. Getting near the end there, we only have uh, two colonies left after this, and then maybe some bonus podcasts. So, uh, last week we talked about Virginia, or we finished talking about Virginia, so now we're going to move down to North Carolina. This is going to be a shorter week this week because uh, North Carolina only had three delegates, and also... They, their lives are not as well-known or really as long as most of their colleagues. In fact, none of them would live past the age of 50. So, our first delegate is Joseph Hughes. He was born January the 23rd, 1730. Died October the 10th, 1779. Age at signing, 46. Born into a Quaker family in Princeton, New Jersey. Hughes attended what has since become Princeton University, but may not actually have graduated. Don't know for sure. He was apprenticed to a merchant in Philadelphia, and he would later found his own mercantile business. In 1760, he moved to Edenton, North Carolina, where he operated an import-export business with his nephew, Nathaniel Allen, Jr. His business venture was proved very lucrative, uh, but his personal life was not as successful. His fiancée, Isabella Johnson, died di- just days prior to their wedding date. In 1766, Hughes was elected to the Provincial Assembly. He was an advocate for colonial rights, but was not necessarily prepared for separation from England. In 1774, Hughes was sent to the First Continental Congress. He sat on the committee that drew up the colonist plan for non-importation, which, as an import-exporter, had to hurt his business greatly. In 1775, the Quakers protested Congress's, what we'd say, their talk of violent revolution. The Quakers are obviously pacifists. Hughes broke faith with the Quakers at this point. North Carolina was one of the first assemblies that told the delegates to vote for independence, but Hughes remained unconvinced. A speech by John Adams finally brought him Hughes around to the cause of independence. While in Congress, Hughes helped establish the Continental Navy, and famously he appointed John Paul Jones, his friend, as an officer in the new Navy. Hughes served a North Carolina legislator in 1777 and returned to Congress in 1779. While in Philadelphia to attend Congress, Hughes was known to work 12-hour days and not take good care of himself. He would die in Philadelphia that October and be buried there. Congress wore capes on their arms for a month as a sign of mourning for their brethren. Okay, well, like I said, this is going to be a short one, so be prepared. Our next delegate is William Hooper. Born June the 17th, 1742. Died October the 14th, 1790. Age at signing, 34. William's parents were a Scottish native minister named William Hooper and his wife, Mary Denny. William was born in Boston, Massachusetts. In 1749, William attended the Boston Latin School. 1757 saw William attending Harvard, which he would graduate from in 1760. He decided not to follow in his father's footsteps, and instead he studied law under James Otis. Due to an overabundance of lawyers in the time, Hooper moved to Wilmington, North Carolina and opened a practice there. In 1767, he married Anne Clark. The couple would have three children together. In 1769, Hooper became deputy attorney for the Salisbury District, and in 1770, he would become deputy attorney general for the colony. He initially was a supporter of the rich landed gentry of North Carolina against the poor farmers. During the Regulator War, he was a frequent target of those opposed to this kind of oppression. By 1773, Hooper was writing letters supporting the American cause. In a 1774 letter, Hooper wrote about the coming cause of independence. He's known as the prophet independence due to this letter. 
Hooper served in the Continental Congress from 1774 to 1777. He supported the Lee Resolution, but was away on business at the time of the vote. He returned to Philadelphia in time to sign the Declaration, and then in 1777 he returned to North Carolina to shore up his family fortunes. Being Congress at this time brought financial burden to all of their, its members. The cost of room and board, plus supporting the family at home, all without the income of their family business. In 1781, the British arrived on Cape Fear and destroyed both of Hooper's homes. While on the run from British, Hooper contracted malaria, the symptoms of which he would suffer for the rest of his life. Hooper continued to serve in the North Carolina legislature, but his mistrust of the mob made him an unpopular leader. Hooper was a proponent of a strong federal government, and he supported the Constitution, even though most North Carolinians did not at the time. Hooper lived lo just long enough to see the Constitution ratified. He would die from illness in Hillsborough and was buried on his property there. All right, and our last delegate from North Carolina is John Penn. Born May the 6th, 1740. Died September the 14th, 1788. Agent signing, 36. Like all of the North Carolina delegates, John Penn was not born there. He was born to Moses Penn and Catherine Taylor. Moses was a well-off farmer near Fredericksburg, Virginia. Moses did not believe in formal education, so John Penn found himself at age 18 unable to read and write. He enlisted the aid of his cousin, a lawyer, and caught up on his education. In just three years, he taught himself to read and write and read law. He was admitted to the bar by age 21, and he married Susanna Lyme and continued to practice law in Virginia for 10 years. The family moved to Granville County, North Carolina in 1774. Penn was sent to Congress where he was a convinced patriot. He cast his vote on 7-2-1776 for independence. While serving in Congress, Penn became embroiled in a duel with Henry Lawrence from South Carolina, but the matter was resolved before the two men would actually fight. Penn served in Congress until 1780. He went on to sign the Articles of Confederation. After serving in Congress, he served on the War Board for North Carolina, but was forced to retire from politics in 1781 due to poor health. He would die in 1788 and be buried on his family property. Well, folks, that's all for North Carolina, and that's all for this week. Come back next week, and we will be uh, discussing South Carolina, and we'll be getting close to wrapping up this series on the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Okay, thanks, and have a good week.